The following programme is made possible by the friends and partners of Creation Today. Prophecies, symbols, foreshadowings, we see all of these throughout the Old Testament. There are numerous passages about the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and they're hidden in plain sight. All the way from the Garden of Eden to the prophets of Israel, the Bible reveals a very clear and consistent thread of anticipation for the Messiah's arrival. Today, we're gonna delve into the rich tapestry of Old Testament foreshadowing, and we're gonna discover the awe-inspiring depth and beauty of God's redemptive plan for humanity. Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching. Your host, Eric Hovind, affirms the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. You know, in a culture that demands supernatural evidence, God does not disappoint. All through the pages of Scripture, we see one unified theme that produces one astounding narrative and points to the best news humanity could ever hear. The gospel, Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection for the payment of man's sin. It is mankind's only hope of eternity with God. As we come up to the day when we celebrate what all of history points towards, Resurrection Sunday. This conversation is going to be refreshing to your soul. Guys, the Creation Today Show exists to disciple the world one person at a time. And if you have questions about how God's world and God's word fit together, this show is going to help make those stumbling blocks turn into stepping stones on your journey to discover and know the truth. I am your host, Eric Hoven, and you're going to you're going to learn things today that you've never known before through this conversation. I want to welcome my Christian Day partners on here. Amber, welcome. Brad, uh, Diane, welcome. Gary, welcome. James, welcome. Uh, all of you guys here. William, Tony, I love you, buddy. Man, you're just awesome. Mike, man, Mike Hill, buddy. I love you, man. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Uh, all of you, Joel and Lisa, everybody on here, thank you guys for joining me live. Uh, we've got some some new partners that have that have joined us, and I want to thank you guys. There's just a little shout out here to Dodie and Becky and Vicky and Mark and Bruce and Gary and Teresa and Carolyn and Taryn and Nancy and Andrew. And you spell your name a little bit different, don't you? Are you in the UK, maybe? Uh, and Mariah and Douglas. Guys, thank you so much for partnering with us to to make a difference in eternity. Ultimately, that's what we want to do is make a difference in eternity. Hey, if you're not a partner of Creation today yet. I don't know what you're waiting on. I mean, seriously, head on over to creationtoday.org slash partner and let's change the world together. There's a lot of people that need to be reached. And when people work together, they can go a whole lot farther. So let's work together to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. My guest today for today's conversation on the origin of the gospel is a researcher, writer, and speaker for the largest creation organization on planet Earth. Answers in Genesis. His undergraduate degree is in biblical studies from Bryant College in Daytona, Tennessee, and then his master's is in education from Lee University. He taught 
Bible history in public school for 13 years. Now he's been teaching Christians to defend their faith for nearly 20 years. All of his talks have one main purpose, to present a clear path to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome my friend, Brian Osborne. Brian, how you doing today, buddy? Oh, Eric, I am great, brother. It's great to be with you. How are you doing? I am blessed by the <laughs> Almighty. It couldn't be better, I'm just better. like you, and just like all of our all of our friends watching on social media and uh, through our partnership. Uh, we 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 truly are. Sometimes I think we forget <laughs> to look at the blessings that God has given us. I wake up every day going, God, thank you for breath of my lungs and a beating heart today Amen. to serve. So, oh, it's good. It and, is good. Uh, and you, that introduction you gave was really good too. So if we can record that, I'll just take that on the road and it'll be great. <laughs> I will be, I will be, I would introduce you any, I would travel just to introduce no, you man. any day of the week, Brian. Uh, I would love to do that, man. Good stuff, man. Oh my goodness. Maybe we should do some more, some traveling. Yeah. I'm going to have to talk to Ken and be like, yo, yeah. Brian and I want to start doing a thing. Can we do that? That would be, <laughs> that would be fun. Give him a call and see what he says. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Um, you did a project where you did a lot of research and have done a presentation that you put together on kind of the, the history of the gospel. So I, I kind of did a play on Charles Darwin's book, uh, The Origin of Species. He's trying to go through the history of the, or I'm like, dude, no, let's talk about the origin of the gospel. Let's like figure Amen. out where this came from and where it's needed. And it really gets to what your heart is all about. And that is the, the need to get history right so that it sets up the gospel right. So I want to unpackage this as we get ready for Resurrection Sunday. And I, I'm, I'm curious where you want to start us off to get a right understanding of history to get to the right understanding of the gospel. Can you launch us into this conversation? Well, of course, brother, and being from Answers in Genesis, you know I have to start in Genesis, right? And uh, <laughs> But, you know, that's where the Bible starts with the gospel. And in a real sense, actually, you can say even before Genesis, when we talk about this, I just wanted to say really quickly, you mentioned I was a teacher. I taught Bible history in a public school for 13 years, and I taught through the Bible chronologically. And so I'd walk my students through the Old Testament leading up to the New. And basically, when you rightly understand it, when you look at the scriptures, you've alluded to this already, I mean, the entire Old Testament is pointing to Christ. The whole thing is just a big old arrow flashing. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. In so many wonderful ways, prophecies and foreshadows and clear references. You get that all the way through. And then the New Testament, Christ is here. And we got his life, death, burial, and resurrection. We celebrate the Sunday. And the New Testament applied in the epistles. How do you live like Christ? How do we serve him faithfully as his followers? And then he's coming again. The king is coming. The whole thing is about Christ. And wow. you think about the Bible, you know, 66 books written by over 40 authors over 1,500 years on three different continents from multiple backgrounds and languages, yet it's all about one singular meta-narrative. It is utterly supernatural how God has pulled it together. He used finite human beings like you and me to make that happen in this revelation to then tell the world this great truth. And so I love talking about it, whatever format, and um, it does start in Genesis, but even before that, I'll take it back to First Peter. So one verse hey, I saw, I do a whole talk I got, on I got this. an idea. Yeah, Real go quick. for it. Oh, uh, that's a good verse. Before you do that or while you do that, <laughs> here's what I'm curious. Hey, if you're watching or you're yeah. you're uh, on here today, so William and Maynard and, and uh, Joel, all of you guys, I wonder how many they can already think of, Brian, because like I got a couple of these off the top of my head, but I'm wondering, <laughs> hey, hey, while yeah. Brian has given us this introduction and we're about to go through several of them, 
you guys on YouTube and Facebook and, and in the comments here, I wonder how many you could list out and let's see if Brian actually hits any of the ones that you actually end up listing that are types and shadows in the Old Testament that are the, the flashing neon sign pointing oh, to man. Christ coming. So you guys put those in the comments while we jump in here. And I, I kind of like where you're already <laughs> starting. This is that you're going before Genesis, which is really good. Go ahead. They're going to be so busy listing those out. They're going to miss everything we say, which is fine because <laughs> there's so many and we're going to cover a few, of course. But now you go to First Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 20, where it talks about the precious blood of Christ, who's the Lamb of God, who was foreordained before the foundation of the world. So before time began, Christ is foreordained as the Lamb of God who has shed his precious blood to save uh, sinners who put their faith in him. And, and oftentimes when I've taught this uh, to different people over the years, I really want to point out that the gospel was never God's plan B. God doesn't have a plan B. The gospel's always been plan A, even before creation, before time began. This was his purpose for his glory and our good. And so we need to realize that God's sovereign. He's not trying to make this up as he goes along. What can all oh, they send? What do I do now? I got to fix this. No, right. He's got a plan before time began. We see that first Peter, and there are other verses like that too. And you know, that's an interesting thought in itself because there are many in the church today that would think that God did it and like, oh, he threw his hands up like, I can't believe you guys did that. I can't. You messed it up. <laughs> he did. He knew yeah. ahead of time he did. that we would mess up and was still willing to go, this is the path that's going to bring me the most glory. Amen. Is me becoming the savior of mankind. Wow, that's powerful. Absolutely. That's powerful. And so, you know, from there we go to Genesis. We go to the creation account. Of course, God making everything very good, the original perfect creation. And Eric, as you well know, that history is so important when we talk about answering questions of people today because often the skeptics will say, well, why did God make the world full of so much death and suffering and bloodshed and brokenness? But he didn't. God made it perfect. It was very good. But it was man's sin that God knew would take place, but it's man's sin about death, the enemy, into God's perfect creation. We wrecked God's perfect creation. And so we're responsible for that. And But God's made a way of salvation even after we wrecked his creation in our sin. And so I always look back at pointing that out because that's a big question, but there's a good biblical answer if we'll trust the Bible starting in Genesis, right? Yeah. And so we get to that. And then, so of course, we know it doesn't stay very good, very long. God gives Adam and Eve that choice. They rebel against God, they eat from the tree they're not supposed to eat from. And that brings death and suffering into the world. And what do we see in Genesis 3, verse 15? It's literally the first kind of foreshadow, the point to the Messiah, right after they sin, we get the first foreshadow. At Genesis 3, 15, where God says, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And that reference of the seed of the woman, typically in Old Testament language, when we talk about the seed of someone or descendant of someone, it's the seed of the man. That's the leader of the family. Seed of the woman seems to imply virgin birth. So this would seem to be a reference wow. to the coming Messiah, born of a virgin, like Isaiah 7 says. Uh, and so right there, I mean, we're talking at the in the first three chapters, you're getting this foreshadow of the Messiah right after they sinned. And so just another great example, God wasn't caught off guard. He's playing to the answer he'd established before time began. If you and you guys need to get your Bible, I'm, I'm doing this. You guys need to get your Bible out, get away to Mark or to book, bookmark and to make some notes. Right there, Genesis 3.15, oh. prophecy of the virgin birth. So that because he says, see to the woman, yeah. which normally it's the man, it's literally prophesying the idea of the virgin giving birth that's going to happen with Jesus. Wow. Yeah. And so scholars recall that the proto evangelum, which seems to be the first reference to the evangelism 
narrative, the account of our need of salvation through Christ. And so that's great. And then even here's another one. It's a, it's a bit more of a shadow uh, looking too. But right after that, we see in Genesis 3, verse 21, God kills an animal for the first time. So we see the first death come into the world, right? Kills the animal. A he sacrifice. sheds his blood, right? And so it's that first blood wow. sacrifice. And note, he actually used that sacrifice to make clothing for Adam and Eve to cover their sin and their shames. Their shame. And that's a picture of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who comes later. He sheds his blood to cover our sin and our shame that we can be clothed in his righteousness if we put our faith in him. And so even in the next, just a few verses down in verse 21, you're seeing again that pointing to the Messiah whose blood will cover our sin. And uh, and that that's just, you know, the first three chapters of the Bible, right? Wow. And we're seeing just two really clear pictures of the gospel. And then if we're moving on from there, Eric, you stop me, jump in. Love to hear your thoughts on this too. I can I can ramble for hours and days. So just jump in I when you need it. to. No, I'm... Uh, I'm and I hope I run out. I'm gonna run out of ink in this pen by the uh, time you're done with this. If I've already got these two uh, first two pages, and you, you're not uh, gonna be able to cover them all, obviously. There, there's no. You could you could no. look up lists online, and there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of That's these. Right. But okay, oh, let's yeah. let's let's hit some more of these highlights because what this should do, by the way, as you're writing this in, every time you make a note, guys, this should what? be emboldening your ability to go share the truth of the gospel because the gospel the real gospel the real risen savior is based on the real history of the world so it should empower you to 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 remember this is true this is true this is true it was prophesied and all we have to do is go tell people the story wow it's it's so easy okay i'm ready and so as we keep going through that, you go to Genesis, we have Genesis 6, uh, 6 through 9. We'll kind of summarize that with, with the flood account, right? And okay. more of a big picture kind of foreshadowed here. But you think about it, in Noah's day, there was a global judgment on man's sin, a right, holy judgment on man's sin. There was one way to be saved, through the door they of the ark, right? And that's a picture of Christ because there's another global judgment coming. Yeah. The next time it's by fire and for eternity and there is one way to be saved. Jesus said, I am the door. If by me any man enter in, he shall be saved. And so it, really, in a sense, that door of the ark is like a foreshadow, a picture of Christ, our only door of salvation for eternity. And so you know this, when you, when you guys come to the ark encounter, the audience watching, when you have come or you come back and look at it, we have a, a actually a cross lit up on the door of the ark, right? On the inside, it's, it's kind of faintly lit, but it's there, uh, which is kind of fun, by the way. Because people, they go by the door of the ark, and it's it's faint. If you look, though, you'll see the cross, you know, on the door. But you can't, you got to look for it. So some people don't notice it. They'll take a picture at the door of the ark. They'll go home, look at their pictures. They're like, there's a cross behind us on the door, and it's a miracle. How did they do it? It's like Not supernatural, but it's so cool. And, uh, and then at night, well, we have a, a very clear cross lit up on the door as well of the ark. And so, again, we're bringing on that point that this is pointing to the gospel. And as you've already so well stated, our passion is to get to the gospel, to proclaim yeah. that truth. It's not merely to give answers about uh, apologetics and origins of dinosaurs. We do that. I love doing that. But we're giving those answers to get to the answer, Jesus Christ. And that's oh that passion and heartbeat, right? And so as we're all about, and that's what you're all about. So we love you so much. Uh, but as we keep going, so we got that, uh, we could spend time just, oh so man, it's some other places. Nine, and, and even inside of the, the, the story of the flood, the accounts of the flood, sorry, Ken, I didn't mean story, the account, the historical <laughs> account of the flood that really happened. Um, um, you, you've yeah. got many in there that, I mean, like it was covered with pitch. 
uh, you know, is a covering oh, sure. over the ark and protecting layer. We're covered oh, yeah. by the blood. And so even in there, and, and these are not just, oh, we're looking for symbolisms. These are, and some of them are obvious, like, like this is literally a symbol of you guys looking forward to what's to come as we're going to go through these. So don't think that these are just, um, oh, well, that's like happenstance. And well, I guess you could interpret it that way. Some of these are like really oh, my in goodness. Case, yeah. the Messiah is coming. Yeah. So, okay. No doubt. No doubt. So we keep going on this trail. This would be more chronologically through biblical history. Kind of trace it out that way. That's what I'm doing in my talk on this. And so we go to Genesis chapter 12. You get after the Tower of Babel. You get the different people groups. God comes to Abram, says, Abram, uh, obey me, follow me. Gives them four general promises, which are, I'll make your name great. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. And then he tells Abram this, I will bless all people on earth through you. That's Genesis 12, looking at verse, verses 1 through 4. And you got to ask yourself, how do you bless every person on earth ever through one man? And the answer is, you bring the Messiah from that man's descendants, and through the Messiah, all people are blessed, right? And so this is a clear pointing to the Messiah who will come from the line of Abram, later on Abraham, who provides salvation for the souls of those who put their faith in him. And so this is what you might call the promised seed of the Messiah, right? Descending from Abram. And then you can just keep, you can just, if you go through biblical history, this promise is passed down to Isaac, right? And then to Jacob. Uh, and so we see God make that same promise. And by the way, if you're going to be a great name, uh, you need to be known throughout time. Of course, Israel and uh, is as a nation, and then Abraham is known even today. Uh, to be a great nation, you need land, and they, of course, have land today and the promised land that they have. Uh, and then, of course, if you look throughout history, you know, people who tend to bless Israel tend to be blessed. Those who tend to curse them tend to be cursed in different ways. And so you see these promises being played out in different ways, which is an amazing thing. Uh, and then someone said, like you said earlier, Eric, well, aren't you like, maybe it's pointing to the gospel, but aren't you kind of pointing out, could you be manipulating that? Are you just trying to put that in there because you want it to be in there? And the answer is not at all. If you go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, about this foreshadow of the gospel from the descendant of Abram, I mentioned there Genesis 12. Genesis 3, verse 8, it says this, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. There right? it is. Isn't that awesome? And so, again, that's a cohesive unity of Scripture we talked about earlier. It's so utterly supernatural. And again, it's all about Christ. And even from the what beginning. What was that reference again? Galatians, Galatians 8? J Galatians 3, verse 8. 3, 8. Okay. Man, I'm yeah. gonna, that's a good order. And that's a, I, I love this little, I stole this quote from somebody. I'm not sure who it was. But this reminds us that the best commentary on the Bible is always the Bible. Right? And so, so Galatians true. 3 8 really fleshes out what's being referenced there to Abram back in Genesis. And so you get that one, and I'm watching our clock here too to be sure I'm not spending too long on one point. Uh, but this promise he keeps getting passed down through the descendants of Isaac and then later on Jacob. And then, of course, we're later on when you see the blessings given to the sons of Jacob before he passes away, uh, God. Uh, is prophesying that the the tribe of Judah will be the one who will rule forever. So the Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah. And so we're seeing that really that promise being passed down through that lineage. And so it makes sense. It means then that the Messiah must come later on from the tribe of Judah, which of course Jesus does. A big yes. surprise there. Spoiler alert, in case you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and so we get that. That's taking us through Genesis basically all the way through the book of Genesis. When uh, 
uh, Joseph passes away, then his father, uh, before he passes away, rather, before his father passes away, he's blessing his sons. Joseph doesn't pass away then. And so that takes us into the book of Exodus. Man, so many foreshadows we could point to about Jesus in the book of Exodus, kind of getting to that. But I'll just focus on one that's really appropriate right now. And uh, that is that when you look at Passover, right? So <laughs> you look at the whole event was taking place, you know, God raising up Moses to set Israel free. And by the way, Moses seems to be uh, a foreshadow of Messiah in different ways. And you know, there'll, be a, there'll be one to come after me, says Moses, uh, pointing to the Messiah, who's like Moses in different ways, leading the people, setting them free from captivity. Uh, but you're looking at the 10 plagues that God uses to show his power uh, and to show the world that he is God. And you get to the last plague, which is the death of the firstborn, right? And, and we know this all too well. If you're in Christian circles, group in church, you know about the 10 plagues and the death of the firstborn, how all that plays out. But there's an amazing foreshadow of the gospel in that particular uh, last plague. Because, of course, we know that uh, God gave Israel some special instructions. He said, listen, the, the spirit of death is coming. And it will take all the firstborn children, everyone who's around, uh, unless you do something very special. You follow these instructions. Find a lamb without blemish. Kill that lamb. Take the blood of that lamb. Put it on the door frame of your house. And then on this night, when the spirit of death comes over the land of Egypt, if he comes to your house and he sees the blood of the lamb on your door frame of your house, when he sees that blood, he will pass over you and you will not die. And that is such an amazing, really in so many ways, clear picture and pointing to the Messiah because Dear friends, if you have the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, covering you, the cover on your heart, the doorframe of your house, if you will, if his blood is covering you, the spirit of death will pass over you for eternity. Right. right? And so you're seeing just such a beautiful foreshadow and pointing to the Messiah. Even in that horrific event, we have so many dying, the plague, the stubbornness of uh, Pharaoh's heart, leading to the death of so many in Egypt, even in God's judgment and right judgment holy, good judgment of that sin is also a picture of his mercy, grace, and salvation and the Messiah to come. You know, when you read that passage, a spotless lamb, a lamb shall be without blemish. In, in uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 7, 5, uh, it, is, it is interesting that when you look into the New Testament, it describes Jesus not only as sinless, but as it seems like he he didn't even dash his foot against a stone. He was like the angels would have been there to protect him, lest he dash his foot against a stone. Like, I don't know if you, I don't know if that's accurate or not. Like also yeah. without blemish, like he was a carpenter. Did did he did he never get a, a splinter? Yeah. Was he without blemish? I'm not sure exactly how that worked, yeah. but uh, yeah. obviously that's referring to his sin life. I've always wondered right. if it's referring to his physical life as well. It was in both. Was it like, well, I don't know. Anyway. Did Jesus, did have, you... Jesus have a scar? That'd be interesting. Yes, thought, did, right? did Jesus have a scar? We don't need I'm... to split the church over that, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. church yeah. of the scars over here. And Okay. I don't think there's an article on our website about that either. Although we might have one. Who knows? We got a lot of articles. Uh, yes. But uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, man, we, you know, we keep plowing along here just for a bit. And so kind of fast forward, you have, of course, uh, Abram, they make their way to the promised land. Joshua leaves the land. They just you see God's promises fulfilled about having the land. They take the land. And of course you have, they're supposed to be God's to be their king, but they're not good at following God. The period of the judge is a constant rebel, rebellion against God. And he raises up a judge to set them free from the oppressor. And then they rest and they rebel again. There's a continued cycle. Eventually they ask for a king. They get King Saul, uh, who was not that good of a king. And God kind of warned him about that. 
But then after King Saul, they get King David, who was a man after God's own heart. Correct. And uh, quick little pause here, and I often just say this when I'm teaching. People say, okay, wait a minute. When you quote that verse, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. Like, how can you say that? Look at David. Look at what he did. Look at, I mean, he did some pretty bad stuff. Adultery, murder, uh, you know, all these things. How can he be a man after God's own heart? And Eric, I think we can take some encouragement here. When you look at David's life, whenever he fell, and he fell hard sometimes, well, when he was confronted with his sin, what was his tendency? What did he do? He repented. He repented, and he turned back and sought God earnestly again. So it wasn't that David was perfect, and that's why he's a man after God's own heart. No, it was that constant pattern of, yes, I messed up. I botched it, but I'm going to repent turn and follow you wholeheartedly again. And I think it's that pattern of his life that sets him apart with that unique description as a man after God's own heart. Oh, I love that. And that, man, if, if that is not the challenge for you and I today, guys, to to be the one that's willing to say, I'm sorry, God, I messed up. I'm sorry, forgive me. Let me get up and keep going and moving forward. And well, and 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 honestly, we, we have to repent of our good works and our bad works. It's like our good works are as filthy rags compared to holy God. So if it's not being done to the glory of God, then it's really not being done for God. Like when the Apostle Paul comes along and says, whether you take a drink or take a bite to eat, do that for the glory of God. It's like everything is supposed to be for his glory. So um, I got to back up in your timeline. So we're all the way into, I, I want to hit one real quick, just because I, there is a movie in theaters right now about this foreshadowing that I thought was powerful. And I just started watching it uh, last night and I got to interview the the director and the producer of this. He's a friend of mine, David Helling. I met him 10 years ago. His film, His Only Son is in theaters right now. And it's it was the number three movie. So you had wow. like, what are the movies out? You had the new one with John Wick movie and then the new <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons and then His Only Son, a little bitty little film. Different. <laughs> that they had produced or they spent like $250,000 producing this film wow. and it's the number three movie. It's like, Oh my word, you got to go check out his only son uh, from my friend, David Helling in studio in theaters right now. Oh. But this film, it takes a whole film to look at what is only a couple of verses in the Bible. Genesis chapter 22, Abraham is promised the son and the son doesn't come for a long time. It's like, he's coming. No, I was not here yet. <laughs> Sarah ends up uh, finally conceiving and having her only son, Isaac. And then God says, I want you to go and offer your son as a sacrifice on Moriah, Mount Moriah. And this whole movie is the story of Abraham going to sacrifice his son on Mount Moriah. And it's like the Bible is coming to life before your eyes when you watch this. If you get a chance, oh, and and there's no excuse not to go see this. You got to check it out. They even have a way for you to buy tickets for other people. And if you can't afford to go, they have already bought your ticket. So you can go to, uh, I'm going to forget the website. He told me last night, um, Angel Studios is promoting this. Um, You can go to, I think it's angelstudios.com slash free tickets, uh, or just type in Google, his only son, free tickets. And you can, they've, they've had thousands of tickets purchased for people that cannot afford them this weekend. Resurrection weekend would be a great time for you to take an unsaved friend and instead of inviting him over to your house for a Bible study and reading Genesis chapter 22, take him to the theater and let him watch what God asked Abraham to do and then how God provided the substitute. 
And just in the same way, what God has done for us, it's a foreshadowing of what God does for us. Um, I guess I can say spoiler alert. It's in the Bible. Um, <laughs> God provides a sacrifice uh, and it points yeah. to God's only son. So if you get a chance to go see that, I'd really love for you to check that out. Uh, it would mean a lot to David. He's put five years of his life into this one film and we know what that's like. So uh, you can get five years of somebody's life for a little bitty movie ticket all back <laughs> up to that. And in about an hour and 45 minutes, you can experience this story. So another shadow for showing us what the Messiah is going to do. So I had to back up to that one. Oh, and now, man, Brian, you got more. We're, we're, we're only in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Judges. We're in like the judges right now. We're just, we're in the king. We, we got a long way to go. And if you're joining me on Facebook and YouTube, you don't get to hear anymore. I hope I I, I hope you got these one, two, three, four that we've already talked about. But we got more to talk yeah, about. We're going to do. do that with our partners kind of behind the scenes. So if you want to join us for the rest of this conversation and get access to all these conversations, come on over to creationtoday.org slash partner. Partner with us for whatever you want. Help us reach the world. And then you can have access to all of the shows as well, including access to our guests, which my my partners will get here in just a few moments. So thank you guys for joining us. Next week, I've got a great show for you. We're talking to, just like Brian here, a former public school teacher. Yeah. And he said, hey, I just want to help expose the plot of what's going on in the public schools and what they're trying to do. You need to be aware of this. Matter of fact, if you were really aware of this, honestly, I don't know if you'd have your kids in public school, okay? So maybe you don't want to watch this because you're comfortable in life, but I'm telling you, you need to know what the secret plot is there is there it's no longer a secret I, I call it the secret plot but they're now announcing it they're talking about what they're trying to do you need to come join me next wednesday right here live at noon uh to, to enjoy that conversation on what's going on in the public schools i don't want to derail us because i'm sure brian you could could talk all about <laughs> yeah, what they're that way too. yeah <laughs> yeah oh my goodness okay thank you guys we'll see you guys next week <laughs>